you would, please, this morning, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll read, beginning reading in verse number 1, but we see that it opens with no condemnation. And the last two verses, if you read through there on your own, you'll see that there is nothing, if you're in Christ, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So it opens up with no condemnation, and it ends with no separation. And we're going to look at some of what it says here in between. But man, this is a this chapter. I wish we could preach the whole thing this morning. There's so much in here. But uh, look at verse number one. The Bible says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh." And for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. This morning, we are going to look at four statements that must be true if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Four statements, they have to be true if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, in kind of putting this together this morning, we're going to get so much Scripture. I know that you're going to be encouraged. I know that you're going to be instructed from the Word of God, and I hope that you'll see how it can apply to your life. So number one, if he says in verse number eight, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is referred to in two ways in Scripture. Um, And also what we're going to do today, I need you to have some kind of bookmark, or in some way bookmark Romans chapter eight, because we're going to keep coming back here. That's our, our text. We're going to keep coming back. To see what God says. But we're also going to look at quite a few other scriptures. So uh, hold your place in Romans chapter 8. And let's look at two ways in the scriptures that the flesh is identified. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Just a few books uh, after Romans. A couple of books here. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. The Bible says those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, how is the Bible using the word flesh? There are two ways in which it uses the word flesh. Galatians 2.20 Uh, Paul says here, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So one sense, one way in which the scripture uses this term flesh is your actual physical body. Uh, In in another place, Paul says uh, he, he was telling one of the churches that it's more needful for him to abide in the flesh. He had, he had actually, he wanted to go and be with Christ, he said, which is far better, but to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So that's one way, one sense in which the scripture uses the word term flesh, the way we would saying in our, in our physical body. The second way in which the word, the, the word flesh is used is to describe the sinful, depraved nature of man. The sinful, natural, depraved nature of man. And that's the way that the scripture uses the word flesh here in our chapter, in Romans chapter 8. He says uh, in verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, that's a pretty big statement, right? I mean, think about, let me ask you this question. What do people do 
to try to please God. This morning, across this country, there are people that will go to church to try to please God. There are people that around Easter time, and I'm sure you've seen them in some of these other countries, where they actually crucified, they, they, they had somebody nail them to a cross to try to please God. They tried to remember the crucifixion that way. Aren't you glad God commands us nowhere in Scripture to do that? There are people that this morning, they will give money to try to please God. They will try and say the right things. They'll put on a, a suit coat and a tie to try to please God. But God says... There's one qualification. There's one thing that overrides all other things, that if that person is in the flesh, they cannot please God. Now, we're in here this morning, and if you're saved, you know that you can live a life pleasing to God. So this isn't talking about if they're in their body. It's talking about being in that sinful, depraved nature. It says, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, that sounds kind of judgmental. Look at verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. You see how here he gives us a cinnamon. He defines flesh as also carnal. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So God's not being judgmental in the sense that we think He's being judgmental. That person, for the person that is in the flesh, the Bible says that they are at enmity with God. They're at complete war with God. You see how it's completely impossible for somebody that's at war with God to please God? He says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, this is what we also see within this context, within this chapter. Within this chapter, there are two positions. Look at verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So there are, there, there's, uh, there are two opposing positions to be in. Either the person is in the flesh, or they are in the Spirit. Now what's cool is, this context really builds off of verse 1. Look at uh, Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So from this, the context of this chapter, if someone is in Christ Jesus... They are in the Spirit. They are not in the flesh. If someone is in Christ Jesus, they are not in the flesh. Those are, those are two diametrically opposed positions. Well, how does someone get into Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're here in Romans. Look at chapter 6. Look at what chapter 6 teaches us in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now if you continue through Romans chapter 6, water is not mentioned a single time. Water is not mentioned anywhere in this chapter. And actually, I think it's not mentioned anywhere in Romans 6, 7, or 8. So the Bible says that someone could be baptized into Jesus Christ. Well, how does that happen? Let's look at this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Again, you need to hold your place there in Romans 8. Make sure you got it because we're going to be going back to it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the scripture identifies for us how someone is baptized into Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with water, nothing to do with joining a church, nothing to do with communion or the Lord's Supper. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the scripture, uh, we'll start in verse number 12. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So Romans 6 is a spiritual baptism. It is a baptism by the Holy Spirit of God, whereby the Spirit of God takes a person and places them into Christ. It's not that they, they feel anything or they see angels sprouting wings and singing in heaven. It has nothing to do with, with a vision or a feeling. It has everything to do with the Spirit of God placing them into Christ. Well, when does that happen? How, how do I know if that's ever happened in my life? Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1. Just again, that that book is just a few books after the book of Romans. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse... uh, We'll have to start in verse 12. Ephesians 1, 12. The scripture here says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So right there, verse 12 gives us, there's a qualification. There is a group of people who first trusted in Christ. Now let's see what's true about those people. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Ephesians says, that there are those who have trusted in Christ. And what happened was they heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. What's the gospel? If you've been here for any length of time, you know our pastor. Take us right there to 1 Corinthians where Paul says, Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins, how that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so someone hears the word of truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again. Why in the world would Jesus Christ have done that? Because you and I are sinners. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect sinless life. And when he died on the cross, he wasn't just a good man dying for some cause that he believed in. He was the sinless son of God shedding that blood to pay for your sins and mine. And the person that has believed on Christ, the Bible says they've heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. And after that they heard, they believed. And after that they believed, they were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible says that they were baptized by the Spirit and placed into Christ. So look now with me back at Romans chapter 8. Having gone through those scriptures, it really helps us to understand better what the scriptures are teaching here in Romans chapter 8 about these two positions. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse number 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And every man, woman, boy and girl that is born in this world is born a sinner. They are born in the flesh. And in, their cell, in, in, in and of themselves, they cannot please God. But verse number 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And what's the, what's the qualification for someone to be in the Spirit, but not in the flesh? If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. 
Number one, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you are in Jesus Christ. You're in Christ. Not only are you in Christ, but you belong to God. You belong to God. Look at verse number 9, the second half here. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he, that man, is none of his. So the the way that the Scripture states it, it states it in the negative. Let's flip this around. If you have the Spirit of God, then you are His. You know, God knows them that are His this morning. God knows you. If you're in Christ, He knows you. Look at uh, with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, just the next book over. After Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, we'll start in verse 18. The, the context here, this is the sin that, that uh, the Spirit of God is admonishing them to flee from. Uh, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Bible says in 1 Peter, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. And if you are saved, if the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you are his. Look at how cool this is. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy Chapter 2. We said in Romans 8, 1, it begins with no condemnation to them that are in Christ. It ends with no separation, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, really expands upon this idea. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. If we stopped the service this morning, some of you would be more happier than others, but if we just stopped right there this morning, you walked out of here saying, you know what? I am His. You know what? That's so encouraging. For The reason that's so encouraging to me is the Bible says in the Gospels, it says in, in uh, Matthew and in Luke, that there will come a day when people stand before God. They stand before Christ and they say, well, uh, God, we did all this stuff in your name. We were casting out devils. We were doing all this. And Jesus said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. The Lord didn't know them. Their spirit was not in him. But if you're saved this morning, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, you have the spirit of God and you're his. You're his. You know, I didn't say this, but it, 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 it was, it's good to address. In the scriptures, when you read what the Bible says about the moment we receive the Holy Spirit, it destroys a lot of false doctrine. It destroys a lot of false doctrine because you have people this morning that are in a church that are trying to work up some kind of emotional feeling, hoping that they'll be baptized in the Spirit. They're going to they're gonna place themselves into water and hope that, that somehow that that has some kind of power to give them the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, you have all of the Holy Spirit that you will ever get. Amen. You have it all. And so if you're in Christ, because uh, imagine how in the world can someone know Christ as their Savior and not have the Spirit of God? Uh, 
Would God go, oh, I don't know if you're mine or not. You're saved, but you don't have the Holy... You see, God's not confused on that. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are His. And from Ephesians, we see that you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment that you trusted Christ by faith as your Savior. So you belong... You and I, if we're saved, we belong to God. Um, Romans 8, 16. Let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 8, our, our, our chapter here that we're looking through this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Again, that verse is true before and after you have your first cup of coffee in the morning. You know, sometimes you just feel better. Some, some days you feel, man, I know I'm a Christian. I'm doing really good, man. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. The Lord's been speaking to my heart. And then, then there are those days that you didn't have your cup of coffee. And you had to go running out the door. And you're grabbing your kids by their shirt collars. Get in the van! <laughs> you know? And, and just life is happening. And you don't feel as saved that day. Well, you know what? If you sit down with the Word of God, as you read it, if you are saved, the Holy Spirit of God is going to testify to your heart. That's right. That's true. What this word says, it, it's real. The Holy Spirit of God will testify those things to our hearts. So if we have the Holy Spirit, if we are in the Spirit, then we are in Christ. We belong to God. And number three, we are spiritually alive. Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 10. Romans 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. My body is under a death sentence. God told Adam and Eve, The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The Bible says, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Our bodies are under a death sentence. And right now, if the Lord doesn't come back, every single one of us, some earlier than others, but every one of us, this body's going to give out. It's going to fail and it will die because it's under the curse of sin. This body's dead, but the Spirit, if you're saved, if the Holy Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Look here at, uh, hold your place in Romans again. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Every, per, every person that's ever born is born spirit, soul, and body. That body's under a death sentence. The soul, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But our, we're also born spiritually dead. And here he says that you that were dead, you were dead spiritually, you were in trespasses and sins, that God has quickened. And that word quickened, it not only means make, to make alive, but it means to be made alive to never die again. Made alive to never die again. So uh, from Romans 8, we see that if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And what's cool about that. The preceding verses had talked about having a spiritual mind, uh, thinking on spiritual things. Once a person has the Spirit of God, they are made spiritually alive, and they can now have a spiritual mind. They can comprehend the things in the Word of God. That The Bible says to the natural man, the things in this book, the mind of God, to the natural man is foolish. He can't know it. He can't understand it. Why in the world would God 
die on the cross and somehow me believing in him, that, that pays for sin. The, the, the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But in us which are saved is the power of God. So now the spiritual man, is uh, a person who has the Spirit of God, is spiritually alive. And then not only are they spiritually alive, but uh, let's look at this. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. If the Spirit of God is in us, we are in Christ, we belong to God, we're spiritually alive. And real quick in verse number 10, he says, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Bible says in Titus 3, it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The reason that you and I are are spiritually alive this morning by the Spirit of God is not because of our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's because of His righteousness, because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Then, if the Spirit be in you, Romans 8, 11, your mortal body will be quickened. Your mortal body will be quickened. Verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Look down at verse 22, again within the context of this chapter. For we know, you know what, we've got to read verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How many of you this morning, you'd say, you know what, don't raise your hand at this, but how many of you are thinking in your mind, man, this week, good night, man, there's been some suffering. Some of you, it's physical things, you know. You're over 30, so, you know, I'm going to be 31 at the end of this month. I figured out last year, man, I was bumming, going to be hitting the 30 mark, hit 30, and now I'm like, I'm good till I'm 40 now. (laughs) Not sure why I looked over there, but we got Debbie and Miss Laura over here. Um, I'm good till I'm 40 now. All these other birthdays, it doesn't matter until I hit the, the next big one. Some of you this week, you say, you know what, man, I've been suffering. This such and such happened. Uh, maybe somebody this week, you lost a job. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be sufferings. But look at what he says about verse 18. For I reckon, all right, so that's why we know Paul is Southern. I reckon that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, so when's that glory going to be? And he goes on in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The Bible says that the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. The way that God created the heavens and the earth, the way that God created this, uh, this universe in six days and rested on the seventh, that is not the same, this world is not the same way that it was when God made it. And the whole creation groans just waiting for Christ to return. Because of verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. And some of you that are a little more up in years than, the, than others, you, you know that feeling of just saying, man, come on, really? My knee can't do that anymore. Seriously? My back? Really? Do, am, do I have to live with this the rest of my life? Are you kidding me? And you're just waiting. You're groaning, waiting for the redemption of your body. Can we take a moment 
and look at the details that God gives us about the glory that will be revealed in us. Let's take a moment and look at this. You guys, I know you're familiar with it, but man, it's so encouraging to look at it. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If the Spirit of God be in you, that same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Look what's going to happen here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, very quickly, the, again, the Bible, it's amazing the way God defines what he's saying. So you're thinking, those that fell asleep, well, you know, I don't, I don't get that. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, right? That's the gospel, right? If we believe the gospel, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So those that were in the spirit, they're in Christ. For those believers, they have died. And the Bible says they're asleep in Jesus. And God will bring them with him. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Right? We're not going to go before those that sleep. For the Lord, man, you know what? I had a, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher. And I know that my grandma and my grandpa... I know that they died, and right now, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They're present with the Lord. But there's a day in which their body, if the Lord returns before I die, He's going to beat me up there. Or I'm not going to prevent them which are asleep. I guess, you know, I guess if you die in Christ, you have a little bit of... I guess, yeah, you should probably go a little bit. I mean, you actually went through the whole dying process. Man, I'd, I'd rather not go through that if I can. That'd be... Stick to the text here. Uh, so not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Verse 16. For the Lord himself. Aren't you glad God's not going to send a little bellboy? Hey, uh, um, all right. Which of you angels isn't doing something? Uh, uh, Gertrude. Hey, come over here. Uh, the Hollinger family. Go down there. Get them and the news. Um, make sure they're on the list. Uh, no. No. <laughs> The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. You think if God shouts, if you're saved, you're going to hear it. Amen. You know, if, if you happen to go away on vacation, you know, you're in Cancun. God still knows where you are and you're going to hear the shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds some of you will no longer be scared of heights on that day. I mean, you think the power towers are bad. You know, you're strapped in. You're 275, 300 feet in the air. We're getting ready at the end of uh, June with our high schoolers to take them to Kings Island with the youth conference we're doing. And I just love it. You get strapped into a contraption that somebody has built, figuring out all the physics, all the different laws that you can use to overcome gravity safely, and drop yourself from 300 feet in the air and live. <laughs> that is awesome. But there's coming a day in which there are going to be no straps, no cranks. You're not going to get cranked up there. No parachutes. Caleb, Caleb uh, Spicer's back with us. Good to see him. He was in the paper. Caleb's job is to jump out of airplanes. Pastor's job is to get in them and safely get to the destination where he's going. But Caleb, he jumps out when he's halfway to where he's supposed to be. We shall meet them in the clouds to meet the Lord uh, in the air, and so shall we ever be 
with the Lord. Don't you love that promise? That the fact that our salvation is eternal is just over and over again through the scriptures. We saw in Ephesians 1, if you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are sealed until the day of redemption. Christ comes back and you're going to be with him forever. I'm just glad that like 2,000 years into being in heaven, I'm not going to say something stupid that's going to get me kicked out. We will forever be with the Lord. So uh, not only 1 Thessalonians, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we have the Spirit of God, if we are in Christ, if we are in the Spirit, that Spirit will raise us up. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us a little bit more information here. Look at verse number 42. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. You remember from Romans 8, we see this body, it's dead. This, this body's under death sentence. That body, that natural body, will go into the ground, and we're going to have a spiritual body. Man, if you think your knees don't work now, wait till you can like walk through walls and stuff be amazing you'll have a spiritual body that's what jesus did remember after his resurrection they he had the nail scars in his hands but he's walking through walls to go see his disciples that's pretty cool stuff the teenager i just woke the teenagers up there with that one that that was for them right you guys are gonna be walking through walls you think the avengers are cool wait till you're just walking through stuff it's gonna be really cool uh verse number 45 and so it is written the first man adam was made a living soul and the last adam was made a quickening spirit Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. You see why those that are in the flesh cannot please God? Those that are in the flesh, they're not made spiritually alive. They don't have the Spirit of God. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That's for those who are in the Spirit. They are in Christ. That's for those who realize that they've sinned against a holy God, but that He has paid the price when He died for them on the cross. He was buried, and three days later, He declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So for those of us who are in Christ, we're not in the flesh. We're His and we're going to be raised at the, at, the last, at the last trump when that trumpet shall sound. But what about the raising of those who are in the flesh? Look with me at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. It's amazing how the Scripture just ties together and I saw a great white throne 
and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw who? The dead. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to whose works? Their works. You know, we said earlier that those that are in the flesh cannot please God, and that's the day that they find out the sad truth that all their works are as filthy rags. Because God says, you want to come to me based upon your works? And he opens the book, and they're judged according to those, their works. And the Bible says in verse 14, And death and hell were cast in... Uh, verse 13, sorry. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. You see, at any time, are they, are they spiritually alive? No, th those are those who... They were never in the Spirit. They never accepted Christ as their Savior. They were never made spiritually alive. And in this day, they stand before God dead, spiritually dead. And they were judged every man according to their works at the end of verse 13. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. You see, Ephesians 2 said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You and I were quickened to never die again. But the, the, the sad truth that these people face is that they were never made, they were never born again by the Spirit of God. And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And they are cast in, in the lake of fire, which the Bible describes and says is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This morning, it's very possible that there are two kinds of people in this room. Those that are in the flesh and those that are in the spirit. And if you're in the spirit this morning, you've been able to see the amazing promises that God has given to us. That in the, in the last day, man, we're going we're gonna to be risen from the dead. We're going to stand forever before Jesus Christ. That right now we're in Christ. There's no condemnation and nothing can separate me from the love of God. I mean, those are great promises to take with us this week. But maybe someone's in here this morning and you say, you know what? I, I never have placed my... My, my trust in Christ. I'm not, I'm not even sure I know what the gospel is. You've talked about the gospel this morning, and, and I, I've got questions about that. But that person that is in the flesh, if you're not in Christ, you don't belong to God. You'll not take part in that resurrection when Christ returns. But let me ask you, if that's you, would you like to change that this morning? Because God wants you to change that. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says that the angels in heaven, they rejoice. They would throw a party today in heaven over one sinner that repents and asks Christ to save them. You know, you can do that this morning. We'll give you an opportunity in just a few moments to come, come down front and ask somebody to take the Bible and show you how you can be 100% sure that you are in Christ. And listen, I did that before. I went down front. I raised my hand at the end of a, an invitation. I was at a youth camp, and I remember sitting in my seat thinking, I know where I don't want to go, but I'm not completely sure I'm going to heaven. And I, told, I went forward and told my camp counselor, and we went outside, and, and he showed me from the Scriptures how to be saved. And we'd love to do the same thing for you. Believer, you're in Christ. Do you 
live like you belong to Him? Do you walk after the Spirit? Do you mind the things of the Spirit? That's all through that, that chapter there in, in, in chapter 8. And then do you count that the sufferings of this world, they're not worthy to be compared to that moment when the trumpet sounds and we're out of here and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This morning, are you in the flesh? Are you in the Spirit? If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, these are the promises that God's given to us this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity.